With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Were you on go? I think so. Um, but if we're not, then we'll have to do the whole pot over again. <laughs> no, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this is, it's been a while, Shamik. This is, well, let me just do a quick intro. This is Inside the Cylinder. Um, we are back post-holidays, so thanks for sticking with us. We kind of had a little bit of delay. No Joey Mack today, but you're joined, as always, by um, me, David Fernandez, host and writer at DetroitBadBoys.com. Um, all of our new episodes can be found on DetroitBadBoys.com. And I'm joined by one of Detroit Bad Boys' newest writers. Not necessarily new anymore, <laughs> um, but uh, uh, first time on the show on on inside the cylinder as a member of Detroit Bad Boys, Shamik Mohile. What's up, Shamik? How's it going? Uh, actually, I think each time I've come on the show, I've been with a different publication, which is funny. <laughs> it, it has been that way. Yeah. It was uh, Piss and Power to start. Uh-huh, my own thing. And then you were did your own yep. thing. I think we both were on like that, what was that? Motor City, uh, man. 16 Wins of Rings 16, for a second. Oh, man. <laughs> man, and that was, I mean, it's been like, that was three, like two years it's, ago. It's... It seems like it's been so long, but it really hasn't been that long. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that, that's a blast in the past, yeah. right there. And I haven't, um, I haven't been on a pod with Joey Mack since, like, my first time coming out with you guys. Damn, it's been years. That's on Joey. Yeah, I, I'm and certainly not that. on me. So I don't know. Definitely not. But uh, thank you for joining us today, or thank you for joining me today. And yeah, as I said, this is like our first uh, episode of the new year, just to kind of set the stage of where everything stands with the Pistons right now. Um, They're currently sitting at 14 and 24. They recently wrapped up a six game road trip. Um, They went two and four on that trip. Um, This isn't going to be too much about like the games and the gameplay and all that type of stuff. This episode's a little bit more about some larger topics at hand. Um, and I think more important topics, honestly. Um, but also, you know, just in the sense of setting that stage even further, uh, the Pistons are currently four games behind the seven-seeded Magic, three games back of the Nets for the eighth seed, and in their next 18 games, 14 of those games are against teams with losing records. Um, so let me ask you, Shamik. With all of that being said, with how close they are into like the playoff race, um, even with how bad that they've looked at throughout this time, and put their upcoming schedule against such poor teams, do you think it, 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 is, does a fan in you tell you to like go for it and try to make the playoffs, or are you just like, hey, you know, we've gone down that road enough, let's just you know hit the rebuild button? Uh, I I'm of the opinion that they got to start hitting the rebuild button like sooner rather than later. Um, and and I, I think this year presents like a very unique opportunity where, you know, Andre Drummond is in trades in trade talks and you can actually get something of value back for him. 
Um, Blake is a lost cause. Possibly next year he'll come back decent. And we're starting to see like more of like a youth movement. Like Seku is, you know, is winning the hearts of fans right now. So why not, you know, lean into that and continue down that that path as opposed to kind of pushing him to the side in favor of Blake and you know whoever else they can get to scrounge together either a seven or eight seed. It's possible they get a seven or eight seed if they try and and get it. But what is really the outcome of that? They're going to get whooped by the Bucks again, or you know possibly win a game but then lose a series against the heat i i don't know i'm i'm of the opinion they should just start to rebuild you know okay. despite the you know favorable uh schedule coming up and one thing that's kind of makes everything tricky with even like the the schedule where they currently stand right now the pistons are 14 and 24 which is terrible like much worse than what we all expected them to be but there's a lot of bad teams in both like the western conference and eastern conference i thought i think people were expecting the western conference to be a little bit more competitive not as many teams um you know sitting there with like 10 games under 500 the east has a bunch of teams that are still um you know in the doldrums so even with where they're currently at right now they're still going to be slated at like you know eight to i don't know 14 or something like that they're not even they're not even going to be able to sort of bottom out 100 percent. although if they do trade andre drummond who knows you know that could definitely change things but that's just one thing that i've noticed i was like kind of looking through you know the standings and i was kind of and i was hoping that they were even a little bit further down that they'd actually be projected to have a better pick than what they're currently at right now yeah like they're like i mean like you said they're four games behind the seven seeded magic but they're also four games away from being like the 14th seed, you know? So it's at this point, like with the, with, with how close, how bad, like with, with how close the bad teams are in the East, why not just be one of those bad teams? Or if you're going to go and do this youth movement, maybe these, like maybe Seku like figures it out, like very like, you know, off chance, but maybe like he and Bruce and Luke, like make the team fun to watch, but they get an eight seed. I'd rather them get a seven or eight seed like that than with pushing all their chips in and just barely getting the eight seed. I I would hate to watch yeah. another Blake led team lose to the Bucks in four. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And speaking of Blake Griffin, he recently had surgery on his left knee. He's out indefinitely. Um, but the the news from um you know, from just the general beat writers, the kind of sentiment around Detroit is that it's pretty doubtful that he's going to return this year. Um, and I know personally from having a, a similar surgery um, where they kind of clean out, um, you know, loose cartilage and whatever have you have going on there. Yeah. It's about a six to eight week timetable for a return. But Shamik, I, I guess if you and you're the resident, you know, medical expert, yeah. you're the Dr. Oz of Dr. Pistons Twitter. <laughs> Uh, but uh, maybe a little bit more qualified than Dr. Oz. <laughs> but um, uh, what are your thoughts on the whole Blake Griffin injury scenario right now? Well, like you said, like the like the surgery he got was more or less just to clean up like the loose loose debris, like the cartilage, the bone, you know, uh, some scar tissues. What else? Like you know, whatever else is in there from you know the either the previous surgery or like as you know as as the season progressed, any damage he's done since then. Um, it's a, it, it's about like a two to three month recovery, um, which kind of puts him at like what, like March, 
Uh, so yeah, I would say about March, April ish. But I think the key, like it with Blake, is because you're kind of banking on him, or at least the Pistons are banking on him to be like productive for for two reasons: one, so that they can trade him, or two, so that he can actually be something of value for the gigantic contract he has. Like the last thing they would want is some albatross contract with a guy that can't play, right? That would be like the worst thing. Um, so I, I think more or less he's done for the season. I think you can just write it off. He'll begin his off season, you know, rehab and workouts and stuff as soon as he's healthy from his surgery. And then that's that we won't see him till October. I think that's probably the best course of action for the Pistons. And I think that's what they'll do. But I really would hate to see them rush him back like they did last year. And we see him like have like essentially like a bionic knee in the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, it was very heart heartwarming to see him like try really hard to win even one game for the Pistons, but it's it's probably not in his best interest. And and in all in in all likelihood, that's probably what what led to this situation he's in now was kind of pushing it back then. Yeah, and I, even if even though it was you know it, it heartwarming and, and yeah. it. Um, you know, you could sort of support his, uh, you know, his bravery to get back out there yeah. on the floor every single time. And I'm thinking back to like when he first got back to um, back in the playoffs against the Bucks. I remember he went for a dunk in the first game and then he also like dived on the floor. And, and half of that was just like stomach churning just to watch all yeah. that happen. Just because, as you mentioned, he did have like a bionic knee and it's like, oh, my God, like I don't even want to see what's about to happen or how he's about to sort of react to whatever sort of play that he just made just because you knew in your heart of hearts that he should not be out there at that time. I mean, we all saw this like gigantic cast wrap. God knows what it was around his knee and he's, I mean, he could barely bend it. And he's, I mean, it's, it's great to see it's, it embodies the spirit of Detroit and like what it means to like be a blue collar worker and work hard and, and try your best always. But at a certain point, you have to kind of put away your moral victories and like be realistic. And I think that's kind of where the Pistons are should should go. Um, but I think if the Pistons are really within striking distance of playoffs in March, I think they probably will bring him back, which is a poor decision, I think. Yeah, I mean that's something that, that we're actually going to have to monitor, especially yeah. seeing how these next uh, you know fourteen to you know tw- fifteen to twenty games right. go. Um, one thing that, that, that you can take solace in, especially if Detroit, if, uh, Detroit does shut down Blake for the rest of the year, um, Blake had his best season of his career and his best season in Detroit, um, which was last season, and that was the first year that he had a full summer where he wasn't strictly rehabbing. Yep. So if Blake can actually just rehab you know, during the winter time, during you know the early spring and then have a full healthy summer before he comes into next season then you might see next year um you know it might be one of these sort of soft rebuilds where Detroit winds up with a pretty nice pick and they also have a healthy Blake returning and you know guys that they can sort of hang their hat on and Mm -hmm. Siku and um Luke and, and you actually have a pretty respectable team next year rather than just kind of risking everything for as you said Shamik another ass kicking by the Milwaukee Bucks and it's it's actually funny because like the Warriors are going through that like right now like the the Warriors are finding people like Eric Paschal um and whoever they they get with this great traffic they're going to get this year um to kind of build and put around like the Steph who's been pretty much gone for the season 
and Clay, who has been gone for the season, uh, with Draymond. Like, they are, like, having a one bad rebuilding year to then potentially be, like, a top five seed next year. It's wild. Yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, I think that's, uh, you know, Detroit could be the, the sort of light, extremely yeah, ex- light yeah, version exactly. of that. <laughs> and, but, um, and oh, sorry, go just ahead. one more thing, like, I think one thing to kind of be optimistic about with Blake is that I don't know about you, but Blake is like the one player that I vividly remember, like changing his game to fit his injury or athletic limitations. When he first came in the league, he was dunking on everybody, putting things back, uh, you know, like just being a totally different player than what he is today. Today, he's more savvy. Like I would say he's more like Jokic than he is like, uh, you know, the guy who just dunks. Prime yeah, like, like Prime Blake. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's that makes you uh, optimistic about, like, okay, if he has a full summer of rehab and rest and whatever, and he comes back healthy, maybe he's not as athletic, but maybe he's a better shooter. Maybe he's uh, a, a better point forward than what he was last year. Maybe he's he's finding ways to be effective while he's on the court. And I think that's an optimistic thing versus, like, if you look at like John Wall, like John Wall is has a, a torn Achilles. I really don't know if you'll ever get the same John Wall, and I don't know if he's gonna change his game to be even semi productive anymore. Blake still is, and he had his best season of his career without being able to really dunk. Yeah, no, I completely agree, and and I mean even watching last year Blake, it did remind me of in a much different sense. But that, that's what Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant did. Yeah. Like, they changed their game. They kind of, you know, shifted more to, like, a back-to-the-basket. You know, they understood, um, you know, they they put elements into their game, like a mid-range post, where that wasn't what they were relying on when they were younger in their career. And obviously, Blake wasn't necessarily relying on that play type himself. But he was making changes, working on his yep. three-point shot, making sure that he was still going to be relevant and effective. And he was an all-NBA player last year. He made the third-team all-NBA. Right. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I mean that does that should give you solace as yeah. well, and I completely agree. Um, but I did want to mention, and you had mentioned it a little bit earlier, um, with Blake being gone, um, at least now, uh, that has allowed for Siku Dumboya, the Pistons rookie, to uh, not only play, but he's entered the starting lineup. He's started four games so far this season. He's averaging 13 points, seven boards, one and a half steals, and he's shooting 48% from the field and 31% from three, which is not that bad, all things considered. Um, I mean, the 31% for three, everything else has been outstanding. Um, Shamik, what are your thoughts on, on the rookie so far? I know when some people like have these like breakout random rookies, they're like, uh, you know, oh, it might be like just one year. Um, you know, I'm not really sure if he can maintain this production. How much better can he get? Throw it all out the window. I think people should be selling the farm, like just putting all the money in their Seku bank. I think that dude is going to be a fucking star. Oh, sorry. I'm not a star, but <laughs> no, you can yeah, swear. I don't care. That dude is going to be awesome. Like I... When he fell to the Pistons at 15, I was like, okay, well, everything is lining up for him to be like a good player. Former pro, check. Uh, young, youngest player in the draft, check. Um, international player, check. Plays against international competition, check. Um, Sean Sweeney, who developed Giannis on the Pistons coaching staff, check. Dwayne Casey, developed Pascal Siakam 
from some random international player. Check. Seku has everything in everything lined up perfectly for him to be a star in this league and to take this franchise from irrelevance to something. What that something is, I don't know. But to take it from what it is today and be the face of this franchise. And I think we're seeing like just the surface of what he is capable of. And I think people should be very excited about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that he definitely has a lot going for him. I was going to ask you if it's like, should Pistons fandom, especially following that gnarly dunk he had on yes. Tristan Thompson earlier this week. <laughs> I, I was wondering if you were part of the camp, like, okay, everyone, let's just calm down nope, a little I'm bit. I'm the opposite. It's been a good, okay, put the money put, in the put bank. Put the money then. in the bank. I, look, let's say this. If if Seku, and like, re, like, remember this like 10 years from now. If Seku is not, at least an all NBA player in, in the next five to seven years, I will eat this entire show sheet. <laughs> that's a big sheet. It's, a, it's like three pages um, long. <laughs> <laughs> one thing that's good about um, that, that's been surprising. And um, one of the sort of, I guess, uh, negatives that you heard about Saku, and it wasn't necessarily about Saku as it was as much about his age with the Pistons was, you know, okay, the Pistons. You know, you're you kind of have a weird timeline. We don't necessarily know what you want to do, but you're going to get a player who's not going to be ready to play. He's not going to see any minutes his rookie year. By the time that he's actually going to start producing and becoming a player that you want him to be, um, it's going to be essentially uh, that part of his uh, sort of tenure in the NBA where he can leave the the Detroit Pistons and go elsewhere. Um, seeing him being able to hop on the floor, and now there's plenty of areas in his game, like, you know, getting the fouls under control, understanding where he's supposed to be on defense. Um, but he's 19. You know, having... He's 19, exactly. You know, having an understanding of... Um, you know, I mean, finding his shot, you know, not necessarily just in um, transition, but finding his shot, his jumper, um, where he's not just strictly wide open. You know, those are going to be elements of his game that, that he can refine over these next few years. But this has been um, as good as a start as you can ask for from Saku. He's not going to go back down to the G League. I mean, he might be in the starting lineup for the rest of this this um, season, and I wouldn't blame he him. should be. Yeah, I, I completely agree. So, and that's been that's been one of the sort of like I don't know, just hidden, um, not necessarily hidden, but just a, a positive with with how negative that this season has been going so far. Absolutely, and and I think this is like the first draft pick that people are like people like Luke Kennard, um, people were people liked Andre Drummond, but this is the first draft pick I think in the past decade that people have like genuinely been like. Very excited about. I mean, with his the, with the position that he plays, which is I mean pretty much a four right now, four. but yeah. possibly can become like a three, four, maybe a small ball five, depending on the types of lineups that you want to roll out there. He is gigantic. Like he runs the floor like a gazelle, and he dunks it with ease. Like he is definitely the. I mean, Andre Drummond's a pretty goddamn good athlete. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Andre Drummond and, and Saku are the two best athletes on that team by far. Saku is just a freak when it comes to just his sort of natural capabilities. And he's he's already he's okay. This is like a broken record, but he's only nineteen. Like he's what like six nine right now. When Giannis came in the league, he was skinny and six nine. When Seku comes in the league, he's 
a little bit heavier, maybe like what, 220 or something, uh, 230, and he's 6'9". There's one, a chance for him to get taller. That's always in the cards for people who are 19 coming in the league. And a chance to get an NBA strength and conditioning offseason under his belt uh, this summer. I think that's huge. Yeah, and I agree. And some of the parts of his game that, that have been nice to see, he does have an understanding of you know lapses in, in on the lapses in the defense that he can take advantage of. You know, you've seen him um, against LeBron. You saw it against Draymond Green. Um, baseline cut jam. Yep. Like that's just something where he's not standing around. He's not waiting for the ball to possibly get kicked. You know, kicked to him out in the wing. Um, Greg Kessler pointed out in the Cavs game, you know, he just sort of floated his way into the paint and a few, uh, uh, I think he's done it in, you know, three or four of his starts so far um, and found himself with an easy little bunny. And then also, you know, the transition game just looks seamless for him. You know, he doesn't rush layups. He doesn't panic when he's up at the rim. I mean, he's, it's not hard for him to get up to the rim. Finishing with the jam seems pretty easy. So a lot of these things that are just, you know, a part of it is just like that natural skill set, but also part of it's uh, an understanding of how to play actual basketball and not just, um, you know, just being an athletic freak out there. So I think that that's definitely something that's that's good and something that you can hopefully see him begin to develop even further as the season progresses. And, and that that point you just made is a product of him being a professional already. He's been a professional for two years now. Yeah. And th- these things, like, an international competition, like, we saw with Luka, like, like the, the league kind of was, like, against Luka. Oh, he, he dominated, but it was against international competition. Will he do the same thing in this league? Yes. The answer should have always been yes, and he's doing it now. It's the same thing. Like, those are grown men out there playing basketball. Like, people who have been playing basketball their entire lives. And Seku is dominating that league. And he comes over here, and he's playing like a pro he's not playing like a college like the, the the college offense is very much like system oriented like it's they're all kind of the same like nobody really runs an nba style offense and over there it's totally different yeah and you're playing against grown right men, you know so it's, it's definitely a different mindset against you know with the players that you're playing against um it's definitely different physicality um, you know, it's a different schedule. It's a different. There's a lot of differences yeah. that it comes to becoming, you know, from a pro. I don't know a ton about the the European pro game. You know, just but uh, just having any understanding of professional basketball and, and knowing what the differences are compared to you know what you see from the NCAA. It's not that difficult to see the difference. Right. Um, so you know, I mean, yeah, these are all at least reasons why you can see Saku jump in and, and look so comfortable. Um, and I mean, his first three games, it was, uh, it, the first start was, I don't know necessarily know if I have my timeline right, but it was, I want to say, um, he went matched up against Kawhi, LeBron, Draymond Green, and Kevin Love in his first right. four starts uh, so far in the NBA. And two of those are wins. So, right. um, you know, I mean, it's good to see and definitely something that and I, and I'm glad. You know, I'm not necessarily there where it's like, you know, I want to buy the stock too. And, I, and I'm, you know, definitely pulling out the credit card. Um, but at the same time, it's just like, okay, you know, I, I wouldn't be ex- be shocked if we start to see at least some lapses in his game. But, you know, there's definitely so much there to build off of that I do feel like Detroit might have actually found their franchise cornerstone in this draft, and that is exciting. Literally just fell in their lap. 
He was the best player available at 15. I was I was genuinely surprised. Like on my personal board during the draft, I had him like top 10. Yeah, and I think a lot of people did too. Yeah. It, it sounded like that that's where he was going to go, but you know, it was one of those situations where um, you know, he just starts to fall, starts to fall, and then Detroit was smart enough to actually select him. So um, definitely, I mean, Siku is going to be the number one reason to tune into Pistons basketball right now. And then obviously once Luke gets back and to see how those guys, you were saying it earlier, Sham, um, if, you know, you can, if Detroit can be competitive, remain competitive, and you're riding out the young guys, um, great. And that's definitely something that Detroit can be excited about where we haven't had that opportunity um, with how they've, you know, gone about constructing their team. Right. Um, but this is an opportunity now where you can be like, okay, there's actually some real solid young players on this team. Bruce Brown, Christian Wood, Saku, Luke Kennard. Like, let's see what these guys can mm-hmm. do. And maybe we, you know, can retool and see what we're, you know, with, with a healthy Blake Griffin, all that type of stuff next year. Um, but I did want to change topics here. Um, and that, you know, I think letting the young guys shine, um, there's definitely a, an opportunity um, for even more playing time for some of these guys, um, you know, depending on what happens with the Andre Drummond situation. Um, it does sound like, you know, via the beat writers, via everything we're hearing from, um, you know, Detroit, so f- from the Pistons so far, is that he's going to be traded in the next month. Um, I guess, question for you, Shamik, do you want the Pistons to trade Andre Drummond, or could you see him a part of that sort of core moving forward? Um, uh- I'm, I've gone kind of back and forth on this. Like, if I think the issue doesn't really come with me wanting him here. Of course I'd want him here. Like, who wouldn't want him here? He's been awesome here. I think the issue really comes with how much is he going to be uh, commanding this summer or next summer if he opts in. Um, is he going to be in the $30 million range? Then I, th- I would say, like, you know, it's probably time to probably let him walk. And, and I think that's what the Pistons are kind of realizing. Like, he's going to be – they're kind of be – uh, he's gonna be too expensive for them. Um, not that they can't afford him, but like given the timeline of the team and the way the team is constructed, like is paying Andre Drummond thirty million going to be prudent and wise, especially when you have Blake Griffin for another two three years? Um, it's I don't know, I I don't think it is. But if if Andre Drummond can be had for like twenty five million or and under, which I really doubt he could be, go for it. Like definitely resign him, but. I, I think the fact that they're already shopping him means that they probably realize that he's going to be, you know, too expensive. So, of course, I'd want him, but I don't think it's in the cards, like, financially. Um, but I think also, like, Andre Drummond is already, what, 26, 27, 26? He's 26. 26. And say Seku is the – if we're assuming Seku is going to be the heart and soul of this team when he hits his prime – and let's say he hits his prime in the 20, 24, 25. That's six years from now. If Andre Drummond is going to be paired with Seku six years from now, that's putting Andre Drummond at 32. Are we expecting Andre Drummond at 32 to be a consistent, to, to be as good as he is now? No. And with that said, is he going to be worth $30 million at that age? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think your, your question's definitely, you know, especially if you if that's, where your mindset is, if it's like, okay, Siku's going to be the guy. Yeah. We really have to go with the youth movement. Um, you know, Andre Drummond's time, I mean, especially with Siku being as young as he is compared to other young players, 
um, then yeah, you know, I don't necessarily see how those timelines work out. You know, and I don't necessarily see Andre Drummond being a piston for the rest of his career, no matter what happens, right. you know, within this next month. Right. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, for me, I think it's unfortunate that it's kind of come to this this season. You know, I was really hoping that we would see, you know, Andre um, play out the rest of the contract that he has. I wasn't necessarily thinking that he was going to opt out, but there's not a ton of free agents that are going to be making a lot of money this offseason. He'd off be the season. number one free agent if he opted out. This yeah, I, I mean, there's Fred Van Vliet's going to be, uh, uh, going to be definitely wanted, um, but Andre Drummond's, you know, two-time all-star. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm – it's a little – it will be very weird to see him in a new uniform. Agreed. Like something that's like, okay, you're, you're kind of preparing yourself for it, but you're also not – like I'm not necessarily like emotionally ready to say bye to Andre, especially with how tumultuous it's been with him yeah. here. Um, but not due to him, just, you know, just yeah, it's, how things are everything around out. him has like been tumultuous except for him. Yeah, he's yeah, been consistent. Exactly. He's been awesome. Like, there's no complaints I have about him. So let's just, yeah. So I, I think I think it is good just to kind of put out there that that ninety five percent of we're we're ninety five percent certain that he's going to be moved. The teams that that I've heard that are reportedly interested are the Atlanta Hawks, the Boston Celtics, Charlotte, um, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Dallas, who we heard about, you know, probably about a month ago or so by now, and Toronto. Shamik, this is, I'm not asking you what is like, you know, to tell me players and, you know, what a trade looks like, but what is a reasonable turn for Andre knowing that he can walk at the end of the year? Like, would that just be salary filler and like a middling first round pick, like a lottery protected first round pick? Would you want like, the, the salary filler, which you're going to need, like a possible developmental player in a pick. Like, what are you sort of looking at for a blueprint to, to get for Andre Drummond? I think at minimum, you need uh, expiring uh, equivalent salary um, and one of a middling first round pick. Like, you know, like uh, I think the for the Atlanta deal that was discussed is like a 2020 Brooklyn pick. That's probably going to be middle of the road. Maybe late lottery, maybe not. Like who knows? Uh, that's probably reasonable. Or um, the expiring salary and a uh, a developmental player under the age of twenty three. Okay, would you see um, a scenario of one of those teams um, where they would give up? And this is kind of me sort of harkening back. I listened to Laz and Laz's podcast recently, where he had Jeff Siegel on from Petrie Hoops. Um, and he mentioned that the top that he'd want to offer uh, for Atlanta to offer would be the given the Brooklyn 2020 pick, which is lottery protected. So Brooklyn would have to make the playoffs for that to convey this year and Chandler Parsons. So you are getting, you know, the expiring money. You are getting, um, you know, the, the, the future pick, um, the pick this year, first round. Um, and that's really all because he was definitely a little bit more um, cautious just knowing that Andre Drummond, that might be a first-round pick for a three-month rental of Andre right. Drummond, which is, you know, that'd be disastrous. Exactly. So um, I guess, uh, and, and it sounded like Laz was kind of more so on the the team that's like, okay, but could we also get a developmental player as well, like a Cam Reddish, a DeAndre Hunter? Um, it sounded like Jeff was like, you know, definitely wanted to sort of back off away from that, and I don't blame him. Um, do you think that there's any sort of, 
any situation, any scenario out there where Detroit could actually find themselves a young player and a pick and you know, you might be signing up for more long-term money, but at the same time, you would be getting two, essentially two cracks of, at, at the um, of the bat. You know, with uh, you know a young player and a pick. I could see that happening with only uh, contending teams. I feel like teams like Atlanta, Cleveland, um, even Dallas, like t- like to an extent, that's a relatively young team. Like, I think these teams are less likely to give up more than one future asset. In, in the you know in the case of either like a player or a pick, um, I, th- I think they're less likely to do so than like a team that's a Boston, for example, like w- is willing to give up like a some salary equivalent, maybe a pick, maybe some other like young player that doesn't really see the floor have much rotation value right now. I could see that happening more with contending teams, but at the same time, I look at it from their perspective and I'm like, okay, Andre Drummond could walk in three months. Is it worth me giving up this month, or sorry, this this much for three months of his work, and then for him to opt out and then sign with my like sign with my competitor? It's, I don't know. For that reason, like even before the trade circles kind of like started swirling, like what last week, the week before, um, I I was very pessimistic as to as to if the Pistons are, are even able to move Andre Drummond for a proper value, I. Like before the Atlanta thing kind of came up, I was expecting like expirings in like a second, for, but for that reason, like because he could just because you don't know what he's going. Yeah, to he do could at be the gone. The year. And then Atlanta now in you know like a, a a bad team is now stuck without a future asset and without Andre Drummond. Yeah. So then, then I what, think with the right? yeah no I think it would definitely be a bad look for um, their leadership there. Um, I, I think with. There's a reason why Atlanta makes probably the most sense for for this team. I mean, Charlotte does make some sense as well. Um, is because you know you are showing to Trey Young in the Atlanta situation that you're serious about possibly you know about winning and making winning moves and not just being stuck you know bad for the next three or four years. Um, and you know if you have to give up a, a pick or a young player to do that, then I think that would make sense because you know you are getting Andre Drummond. He is a little bit older, but he, at the same time, he is still only 26. You know, right. I mean, you're still going to have him, and especially if you can re-sign him this summer, then that that would be your your pairing alongside John Collins. That would be your young-ish core, um, and that's not a bad core to, to sort of go off of. Um, and they just drafted a center too. Like they just drafted a center that's supposed to be like. He's not close to being a good player yet, but in uh, what's that guy, Bruno Fernandos? Yeah, Bruno yeah, Fernando. He, yeah, he's not uh, he's not ready to be like a, a a guy who can step in and like be Trey Young's uh, lob threat or like a pick and roll threat just yet. But maybe by the end of Andre Drummond's next contract, he could possibly be that. So that transition would be easier. Okay, let's. How about this? Let me run through some hypothetical trades here. And I would love to, you know, get a yes or a no, or, um, you know, you can kind of speculate from there. Um, So let's say the Mavericks. This is the first one that we heard about, um, you know, going back about a month ago now. Uh, What was reported would be Dwight Powell or Maxi Kleber, one of their big men, and um, Tim Hardaway Jr. for Andre Drummond. Uh, Would that be a move that you'd be willing to part with Andre for? I would want... Uh, uh, some sort of pick in return. Uh, it can even be like a future pick or like a heavily protected pick. But I would want some some additional future asset in in that. 
And also, I'd rather have. Uh, I think the the scenario you just pointed out was Tim Hardaway Jr. or Maxi Kleber. Uh, sorry, Tim Hardaway Jr. and one of Maxi Kleber or uh, um, Dwight, Dwight Powell. Dwight Powell. Exactly. I would rather have Maxi Maxi Kleber and with Tim Hardaway Jr. and potentially some sort of future asset with that. I'd be cool with that. Um, and I think Dallas is one of those teams that like is a dark horse because they're trying to like Luca is really good right now and he's on a rookie scale contract. I think this is like the time right now to like be super competitive. Yeah, they're, they're you know I was just looking at them watching them play yesterday. Um, I think they were you know two games back in like the loss column, um, but uh, but still they were like they were six in the in the West, but they were, you know, two or three games back from the second seed. So right. um, they're, they're right there. And, um, you know, they have Chris stops and, and I think that that timeline would make some sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they'd be willing to do all of that, but at the same time, who knows, you know, Andre Drummond could be a guy that, um, that they like. It could be something where you know, they've been wanting to sign a center for yep. quite some time of, of his, uh, of his capacity. Right. So, um, that, and I could see Andre wanting to stay there and wanting to, you know, play with Luca and play with Chris Ops. I wouldn't blame him at and all. And they may be desperate um, for that. The, the reason of, you know, Luca's on his rookie scale deal. We need to put mm-hmm. a talent around him. Spend the money now. Yeah. Spend the money yeah. now. No, I definitely understand. Here's another one that, that kind of came up already, but, um, Atlanta. So would they be willing to give, Cam Reddish or DeAndre Hunter in a trade along with that Brooklyn pick in Chandler Parsons? I doubt. Or would you just... Okay. I doubt it. I doubt that but, too. But uh, if they could... I mean, if they could get one of those two guys out of it, then sure. I mean, why not? What if it was just Cam Reddish and Chandler Parsons nah, for Andre Drummond? I really don't like Cam Reddish. Okay. What if it was DeAndre Hunter and Chandler Parsons? I, I, I'd be more inclined to accept that deal. Um, but now you're getting uh, overlapping... Like DeAndre Hunter plays the same position as Seku, right? I would be unwilling to kind of push aside Seku's rotation minutes for DeAndre Hunter, and I don't think they can play together. Okay, so you're really if you're making a trade with the Atlanta Hawks, you're eyeing that 2020 Brooklyn pick. I'm eyeing the 2020 Atlanta pick, but if they're not going to give me oh, that, oh, their pick. But if they're not, but if they're not going to give me that, then I'll then I'll take the 2020 Brooklyn pick. Highly okay, I was going to say that Atlanta is going to be pretty damn high. That's the that's their <laughs> best be future one. asset, not named Trey Young right now. Okay, yeah, I mean that would be great. I don't think they're willing to part with that pick just because <laughs> they're last <laughs> in the league. But here's another team that I thought was interesting was the Charlotte Hornets who came up. They're playing surprisingly better than they expected. Um, you know, they found their point guard in the future in Devonte Graham, who's been just outrageous this year terry orgier has actually played pretty well for the most part and they have him under contract um so maybe the time's now for them to sort of you know really sort of hit on um you know start to build this thing and start to actually you know turn the page on the the kemba walker franchise essentially and you know, see if they can actually make a push for the playoffs especially knowing that they're right there in that that sort of bunch that the pistons are in and they're realistic you know they especially if they do require uh, Andre Drummond, I would not be shocked at all if they were to make the playoffs. Would you make a trade package um, Andre Drummond for Bismack Biombo and Miles Bridges? If if I were Detroit, I wouldn't accept that deal because I don't think Miles Bridges because of the Siku thing. No, well, yeah, that and I don't think Miles Bridges is as good of a prospect as like say their pick would be. Okay, 
So if it was just expiring money, assuming, what if it was, you know, you're picking up a uh, um, Nicholas Batum? Because if you do pick up Nicholas Batum, you're still going to have to pay him $27 million next year. I'm okay with that. Would that be worth it? Okay. If you get the pick out of it. But just like as an aside, if you're a Charlotte fan and you trade for Andre Drummond, yeah, you'd be excited to have him. But man, you wouldn't you wish that would have happened a year earlier? <laughs> I mean, both Charlotte and the just pist- the Pistons that wanted the Kemba Walker, yeah, Andre uh, Drummond they, pairing. They would have been for awesome. So long. They would have been awesome. Um, so, in your mind, you're more interested in getting Charlotte's pick out of them compared to a Miles Bridges or a Malik Monk. Correct. Now, if they're willing okay. to throw in PJ Washington, I would be willing to have him over the pick. But uh, I, I am not. I, I'm not very high on Miles Bridges. Um, and I'm certainly not high on Malik Monk. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it'll be interesting to see because I do think that they are essentially an Andre Drummond away from really... Yeah, I think they could make the playoffs as they do acquire him. Um, so then if you are even getting their pick, then it is going to be something that's outside of the lottery this year, um, which might not be a bad thing. You know, Detroit bounced Siku last year, so who knows? Right. Um, one of the more interesting teams that I saw that was linked to this trade was the Boston Celtics. And I looked over their roster, and I was looking at their money situation to see what the Pistons could actually do. Um, And I don't know what it even looks like. Unless they're looking to part with Gordon Hayward, or if they were looking to move Marcus Smart, who has two years left on his deal, and and Daniel Tice for Drummond, that just seems really high for a team that's playing so well. Um, and they do need a center. They need a real center. Um, I don't think Inez Canner is really what they see as being no. the, um, you know, and, and they do have Kemba Walker. So it could actually be a situation where you actually get Kemba Walker and Andre Drummond on the same team. And if you're able to keep Gordon Hayward, is that team good enough to really contend in the Eastern Conference, knowing that you're getting rid of like a, you know, lunch pail sort of the DNA of the team and Marcus Smart. I don't know that it's just strange to see because their money situation is so unique. Yeah, I, I'm. I really don't see how it works out for them for that reason. Uh, and also, like they're third right now, two games away from being second. Do they really need him? Like, sure. Like they're not gonna like they're they're not as good as Milwaukee is right now. But how many teams are as good as Milwaukee is? Like, if they add Andre Drummond and they take away Hayward or Smart. They could arguably be worse than what they are now. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be Hayward or Smart. You yeah, know, that's just what I'm saying. Like, you could, either or. If oh, you okay. take one of them away and you put Andre Drummond in his place, I, I'm not, I'm not a believer in that new that team with Andre Drummond now. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it, it it would be. I don't know. I'd love They're to have really Smart good. in Detroit, though. Yeah. I, I mean, I would love to have. That's what I was yeah. thinking. Like, if the, if that would be possible to nab Marcus Smart. Um, knowing that he has two more years left on his mm. deal, knowing the kind of player that he is, and oh, yeah. um, you know the type of example he could set for the guys that are on that team right now, I think he'd be perfect. Um, it's just it's just hard to see them moving on from a guy like that, just knowing how how important he is to sort of like the culture there. But who knows, man? I mean, a team that is consistent of you know if you have Gordon Hayward, Kemba Walker, Andre Drummond, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum, that's a really, really good team. Like That really could possibly contend in the Eastern Conference. I don't know. It, it, it does seem like it could possibly knock off the possibly. box. I'm not going to lie. Possibly, but it's not like a, it's like a definite, you know? And, no. and I think that's enough. Like That hesitation is enough for them not to do it. 
Yeah, and they're good. You're, and they're you good right now. They're yeah. good right now. They're third in the East. They're playing better than people expected. Right. And, so. I, and I think continuity is key with those teams that are at the top. Like, you don't want to make a move when you're a top three team right now. But also, if you do look back on even, like, the Detroit Pistons when they won their championship, they were a really good team. They had been a really good team. They had made the playoffs a bunch of years in a row, in a row and they took a pretty big risk in moving on from, um, you not moving on from, but, but acquiring Rasheed Wallace. And that was, you know, what pushed them in the direction to, to win the championship right. that year. So um, I, I think I think Danny Ainge knows that they're not a, a championship team right now. And maybe he thinks if they do acquire one more, you know, all-star quality type of player that that could push them over the edge. Um I don't know. It's interesting to see, but I would, yeah, I would really like to see what Andre Drummond would look like on that team, right. hoping that Detroit could get you know some valuable assets in, in return. Right. I I definitely don't think he would resign there. You don't think so? I don't think so. I think he would. I think he he wants to change the narrative, and it, and if he wants to be on a winning team. I could see him wanting to build it with. Trey Young, I think he would definitely like that situation. I could definitely see him wanting to stay in Dallas, just knowing that he's playing alongside Luca and Chris Stops. And if you're going to be winning as many games as you are in Boston, he's fr- he went to Connecticut. He's from New York, like he's from the Northeast-ish area. I could see him wanting to stay there. Fair. I don't know. I just don't see like I don't know. I I feel like uh, Boston is one of those places that free agents like they go there, they don't really enjoy their time there, and they leave. Like Kyrie is yeah. an example of that. Uh, Ray Allen's an example of that. Like I don't know. Like I feel like Andre Drummond would, would just be another version of that. It'll be interesting. The Andre Drummond situation for for this next month is going to be very interesting in Detroit. It's going to be very interesting to see what happens this summer with him um, because we know how val- how highly we valued right. him. It will be very very telling and interesting to see what the actual league does with this sort of situation coming up. Um, but Shamik, I don't have anything else. You know, we hit it. We talked some Blake, talked some Siku, and talked a lot of Andre. Right. Do you have anything that you wanted to, to drop or to, to you know leave on when it, when it comes to this app? Uh, well, let me let me ask you, uh, Portland. Do you see Portland being a possible Andre destination? Portland, I could see him fitting in there. Um, I, I don't know what they would do with the. Um, um, I'm blanking on his name. The Bosnian Nurk. beast. Uh, yeah, what what the Nurk situation would be like? Would that would he be in the trade to Detroit? Would that be no? You know, so I haven't looked at their roster, or their their money situation. Uh, so I don't know when uh, Nurk is supposed to come back, but right now the Blazers are like what ninth in the West, and it's looking more and more like they're going to be on the outside looking in with. You know, OKC is like that. That's a really surprising team to me. OKC is surging, and pretty much the top seven teams in the con- the conference are set. But now Portland is like on the outside looking in with the other teams trying to like trying to get that eight seed. Um, so say they make a move uh, for some expirings, Zach Collins, maybe a second or something like that for Andre. I do like Zach Collins. I do like Zach um, Collins too. Um, yeah, and also one of, one of the names that was coming up back when the Blake talk was happening with with Portland was Anthony Simons. Ooh, if we um, can get him, oh man, yeah, he might be he kind of might be like in that Siku type of category. Like he's played too well yeah, already; they're yeah. not moving him. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, a I'd be okay with helping out the Portland Trailblazers. They're kind of my like 
de facto Western Conference team. Yeah. Um, and Zach Collins, you know, I think he's really good and he could be that center of the future. Um, so, I mean, I would definitely be down if they could make that work. Um, and, yeah, you know, kind of rolling it out and seeing what they have with the young guys. And Damian Lillard would be, like, by far, by far the best point guard Andre Drummond will have ever played with. Actually, that can be said For about sure. any of these destinations, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, you know, that we've all wanted to see him with Kemba. I think that's just because it was seemed very realistic that could that could possibly happen at some point. But, you know, if, if Andre Drummond, if we were more geographically located next to, um, you know, Portland, we might have been having those types of conversations, right. those types of dreams of getting those two guys together. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think it would be an excellent pairing. And also, he's not a guy like Nurk where you have to – disrupt what it is that you're doing and let him sort of get his own. Andre Drummond is someone that can, you know, fit easily within the offense there and probably be the type of player that we wanted him to be in Detroit for so long. That sort of like pick and roll, um, dump it to you when you're down there type of guy, go get some boards, but that's it. And I think he'd be, he'd be okay with that role. Yeah. And like, because like, they're not sure like when Nurk's coming back and the team is like sliding in the wrong direction, maybe they'll be desperate enough to do a deal like this to try and, push themselves back up into the playoffs yeah they're definitely one of those teams that that you know people are waiting for them to to make a move one way or the other and a lot of times what that conversation has come down to it's like okay well when are you going to trade away cj mccollum and really try to build right. this thing around dame maybe they just double down and say hey we're not doing that we're just going to bring in andre drummond and see what we can do from here yeah, exactly yeah food for thought no good stuff food for thought no no yeah i mean we'll see man it's going to be interesting whatever happens I feel like something's going to happen. So I already have my Woj and my Shams. Uh, you should have had my, it on already. You shouldn't have had to put it on. You should have always had it on. It's, it's, it's kind of annoying right now, honestly. <laughs> Just because a lot of retweets yeah, going on. Yeah, it's like, oh, check out guys. my Woj pod. I don't care, Woj. There was like an NFL one that came yeah. out. And I was like, I do not care. <laughs> like a, an Adrian Wojnarowski like, Adam, retweet from an NFL Yeah, thing. like Adam Schefter um, or something. Yeah. <laughs> So Shamik, uh, tell the people where you can find where the where they can find you, and uh, yeah, let's wrap this bad boy up. Yeah, so uh, you can find my writing at DetroitBadBoys.com. dot com. Um, uh, I I write kind of on a uh, special basis. I feel like I'm not like a consistent contributor, but if I have some thought that's been brewing for a while, I'll I'll throw it on paper and let you guys read it. Um, but you can find my podcast Two Guys and a Goose on iTunes, Stitcher. Um, iHeartRadio, uh, check it out. It's, little, it's not as serious as this Inside the Cylinder one, but uh, give you a little com- uh, you know, comedic relief in your day. So, yeah, check it out. And, hey, thanks for having me, man. And this is fun. Where, what about Twitter? Where are you oh, at? Oh, at ShamShamGod. Must follow. Hit him up, guys. Uh, you probably already follow yeah, him. Probably. So, um, but, yeah, as you know, you can find this episode, Detroit Bad Boys. This is David Fernandez, and we will catch you sometime soon. Peace.